0: Indeed, welcome along, everyone. This is episode one hundred and seventy-nine of the Boys of Tech for the week beginning Monday, the thirteenth of August, two thousand and twelve. Here in the studio in Wellington, my name is Edwin Herman, and I'm joined by Brett King via Skype. Welcome to the show, Brett. Aloha, Brett. What a weekend it was! You you had a busy weekend.
1: I did indeed. I had a busy start of the weekend. Busy end of the weekend.
0: You went to a show, didn't
1: you? I did. I went and saw Hairspray in Wellington at the Opera House. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah? If you don't know what it is, Google it. <laughs>
0: I, I have you know, I have heard good things about it.
1: Mm. It is hilarious. It is so funny. It was packed. What, <laughs> what does a
0: show like that set you back these
1: days? Um, It was 78. 78. Mm. We had better, better than, than our seats. Yeah
0: okay. Well, that's good. And you thoroughly enjoyed it, yeah?
1: Yep. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was very well done.
0: It's a comedy musical. Yes. Where is that playing? Is that St. James? Or Opera I know you're opera house. you said Opera House, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I said the I opera, said house. opera House. Yeah. <laughs> the
1: Wellington Opera House. Not at the St. James.
0: And also you went to one of the uh, restaurants uh, participating in Wellington on a Plate, I believe?
1: I did. It was yummy. Enjoyed myself.
0: Go on, t- tell I us love what you Wellington
1: had. on a Plate. You, you have to if tell us what you had. If you're in Wellington, you should definitely partake of Wellington on a Plate. Go out for dinner, have three courses for something or other, or free wine, or a degustation menu. There's tons of things, and also all kinds of events to, to um, sign up and do. Go to Beavana at the stadium, learn all about beer, have lots of tastings.
0: Who's behind the uh, the event?
1: I have no idea. I don't know who is supporting. I'm pretty sure absolutely, positively, Wellington is involved.
0: I.e. the council.
1: Yeah, i.e. Yeah. the council. Visa. Visa is in- involved. Ah, uh, yes, they the main
0: sponsor, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. They've got lots of sponsors. And obviously, participants... Participation by a vast number of cafes and restaurants in Wellington.
0: I just look as it up, well as all of
1: the events that get planned, like you know, learn to cook with a famous chef and and eat the meal that you finish.
0: Oh, now that would be uh, fun.
1: Learn about different foods. Go out, catch fish, and learn how to cook them, and you know, cook them gourmet styles. Wine <laughs> tastings, wine making, cheese making, cheese tastings, uh, beer. Making beer tasting tra- absolutely tons of I really want to go to, to a go cheese on.
0: tasting event. I'd love to go to a cheese. I I haven't been to a cheese tasting event and I love cheese. Isn't that crazy? Yes, you have.
1: You were at a cheese tasting event on was Thursday that? morning.
0: Was I? Oh <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an official cheese tasting event. It was a farewell, wasn't it? You and I just happened to hover around the cheese board all Morning.
1: <laughs> it was good cheese. I
0: oh, it was very good cheese. Uh, there was
1: Jesus, a- cheese makes up a, a portion of my dinner tonight, don't
0: you? know, I usually will get, when I go out for a meal, for dessert, I'll usually get the cheese platter.
1: I'll usually get the whatever has ice cream. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't eat a lot of ice cream, but if I'm out for, out and actually still hungry after I've eaten a main, which is actually pretty rare, I will go for a dessert which has ice cream in it.
0: I'll tell you, in my opinion, the places that make the most mediocre ice cream. In fact, I'd rather buy a tub of Tip Top or Pam's than try this, and that is the Chinese restaurants. I'm sorry to say, but really, the Chinese restaurants, their ice cream standard are just not up to scratch for me.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I have noticed that.
0: They're pretty you average, do you get the, they? the
1: lower end of the ice cream yeah. spectrum. Yeah, you do. Then you could always just not have ice cream there and stop at Cafe Ice. Cafe Ice or Strawberry Fair? Cafe Ice, because you can get a takeaway ice cream in a cone. Well, gelato, but, you know, same diff. Close close (laughs) enough. (laughs) Pretty much.
0: (laughs) So, Brett, I looked up Wellington on a Plate. It's actually coordinated and managed by Grow Wellington and, indeed, as you said, the council, i.e. absolutely, positively. Oh, no, this is different, actually. Positively Wellington Tourism. Same, same logo, but different uh, different words.
1: Well, obviously that's the name of the thing, and their catchphrase is absolutely, positively Wellington.
0: It's the council, isn't it, anyway, behind all that? Yeah, so so a, what yeah. did you have on, on Saturday night? What, what did you eat?
1: Uh, I had a three-course three, course, uh, three course meal. I had the French onion soup. Oh, I had nice. a, a rather nice uh, medium-rare beef fillet steak. Got to have it medium-rare. You've got to have it medium-rare. Totally. It's got to be juicy in the middle. Totally, and followed it up with a panettone pudding thing. Now, what's what's that like? I, I haven't heard of that uh, it's, before. It's uh, um, I guess some kind of Italian bread and butter pudding. Oh, but it if was, it's like
0: bread and butter pudding, I'm in for that. Yeah,
1: it was delicious.
0: I'm so hungry now. <laughs> You've made me hungry. Well, I've made you hung- us hungry by talking about food.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Well, you just have to participate in Wellington on a Plate.
0: Well, that's right. I had my opportunity the other day and I turned it down, didn't I? I think Indeed, you were there Indeed,
1: because the cafe at work is participating in Wellington on a Plate.
0: It is, but the, it's just that the standard pasta dish that they have is so tasty. They do a really, really good pasta dish. and I They do. I have trouble ordering something else.
1: <laughs> 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 well, I quite liked the Wellington on plate thing. I'll probably have it more often. Because, well, you know, that's their Wellington on plate thing for the, the rest of Wellington on plate, which is a couple of weeks.
0: So, a couple of weeks left, is it?
1: Yeah. Now, anyone. Well, j- it only started on Friday, so.
0: Did it only just start on Friday? Yeah. They oh, only right. just oh Friday. okay. I, I hadn't. Yeah, okay. I thought it was going for a little bit longer than that.
1: Oh, okay, mate. No, actually, it started on Thursday, didn't it? Or was it Friday? No, yeah, it was no, Friday.
0: Man, was it the first day?
1: Yeah, that was the first oh, day.
0: Okay, all right. I thought it'd been going at least a week. No. All right. Anyway, in any event, anyone tuning in right now would think this is a, a food show, and it's not a food show. Although occasionally we do delve into food and wine and cheese and stuff like that. But
1: occasionally we delve into science, and on the very, very odd occasion, we might talk about something tech. But that's rare.
0: <laughs> yeah, the tangents make up ninety percent of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do <laughs> want to. I do want to focus on tech because there is a big story. Uh, at the moment, about a guy called Matt Honan. In fact, Brett, you made me aware of this story on, I think it was Monday when it unfolded. Mm. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my goodness, this is terrible. And just to summarise, and I'll let you have your say, uh, perhaps a rant even, Brett, from you, I think is is, (laughs) (laughs) is called for. Um, But the summary is that a guy called Matt Honan has pretty much had his digital life on Apple's iCloud system wiped. So his iPhone, his iPad, his MacBook Air all wiped and his Gmail and Twitter accounts were hijacked all in the space of just 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, how did it happen?
1: Well, what is the weakest link in any security system?
0: Uh, I know the answer. I know the answer. We've covered this many times before and the answer is people.
1: Am I right? Yes, you are. you've learned (laughs) something. You've learned something from my ranting. My ranting is educational. (laughs) See? It's educational. It's a drill into me. Indeed. And what it does show is that no matter who you trust or how much you trust a name or trust a third party system, it involves people. And those people have access. And those accesses can allow them to make bad things happen.
0: And in this case, who is who is that? Is is that Apple? In
1: this case, we had obviously Apple. (laughs) We had a hacker use social engineering to get the password reset of this particular person, Matt Honan's iCloud account. And once that was done, the hacker then had access to the iCloud account. And when you have access to the iCloud account, and I choose a cloud. What can you do with with any Apple device that you've got connected to that you can which is part like of it, which you? is part of you know the whole selling point of a lot of this cloud-based systems That's is all right. yep. oh, you lose you lose your phone, your phone stolen, your MacBook's stolen, your iPad stolen. Well all you need to do is log into your iCloud account and you can have all of your important devices deleted. And Or tracked so that you can find them or, you know, deleted so that you can stop other people getting your stuff. Mm. But that doesn't protect you from somebody hacking or social engineering their way into access to your iCloud account, in which case then they can go, oh, I now have your iCloud account, which means I can wipe your iPhone, wipe your iPad, wipe your MacBook Air so that all of your stuff is gone. Now they obviously talk about it because incredibly difficult to ever oh, get yeah. back. yeah, Apple has and, said that,
0: haven't
1: they? <laughs> yeah, and it leads on to the other part of my many, many security rants of this ridiculous interweaving that companies are promoting of your different accounts, linking your different accounts together, so that different things, all of your different accounts, have access to all of the different other parts of your other accounts. Because all that means is you have then provided hackers with a single point of entry and access to everything you have. Yep, that's Regardless a, that's of using of different usernames, different passwords on different accounts, if you have those accounts cross-linked, they still talk to each other. So that's how this person's Twitter account and their Gmail account were hacked. They discovered through the iCloud system, having access to all this person's files, what their Gmail name was, what their Twitter name was, and all they needed to do since they had their Mac account was request password resets from those, two, from those two systems, ask Gmail for a password reset, ask Twitter for a password reset. And because this person had their password reset email sent to their .Mac email address, which the hacker had control of, they then got control of all the other accounts. It's not security. <laughs> you have to keep these things separate. <laughs> your digital life is important as this person will tell you. Imagine you are a student, you're a, a master's level student finishing a research project or a or a thesis and you are days away from handing in something that you have put years worth of work into. Some person rings up Apple and cons the Apple tech or the Apple service person into believing that they are you. They get your password or get access to your iCloud account and suddenly boom all your stuff gone and and nigh impossible to get back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a a huge risk. Now, Matt Honan is no mug either because he was previously a writer for Gizmodo.
1: Exactly. He is is up Hmm. there in the tech journalism and I think that is probably why he got such a good response (laughs) from Apple. (laughs) Apple has kind of bent over backwards in a way I would not expect them to do for your Yeah, because they'd Joe be afraid Public that, that they'd about attempt them. attempt to recover his stuff. Joe Public, in this situation, Apple would have said, your stuff's irrecoverable. Because he is actually well known in this arena, the Apple staff are attempting to recover his stuff. <laughs> Maybe he's got some of it back by now. But... Either way, you know, it just shows, uh, once again, my rants on it, online security and the security of the cloud are vindicated. <laughs> it's horrible when it happens, but, you know, sometimes I am right. And I'm not just a, a, a ranting fool.
0: <laughs> no, you, look, I totally agree with you. You're absolutely right. And a lot of security experts are saying the same thing, the weakest link it's people, not necessarily yeah. technology. And,
1: and I've always said that. You cannot put your, no matter how much faith you might have in a brand, in a name, in a service, you can never put your total faith in them. No. They are always going to be, as well as yourself, you and, your, you and the service people at the place that you're using are the weakest links in the security chain. And it will always be that way.
0: Now, interestingly, Steve Wozniak's words are being repeated. Steve Wozniak a while ago said, and I quote, I really worry about everything going to the cloud. I think it's going to be horrendous. I think there are going to be a lot of horrible problems in the next five years. Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know. He's quite right. Yeah, he's right, isn't he? He's he's a man who actually gets. Digital security and get digital privacy. This stuff is this stuff is not rocket science, but far too many people and this, I guess the the world and these companies are trying to feed us into this sham of safety in the cloud
0: and convenience as well. Yeah, and yeah.
1: convenience. <laughs> giving up, giving up security for convenience. It's ridiculous.
0: Now we tried to get hold of Matt Honan. Unfortunately, he's been inundated with requests from the media, so he's now obviously or
1: as he would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So unfortunately, he he's not joining us on the show. But we were kind of hoping that he'd he, he'd be able to. But I, as you know, I can understand. Uh, you know, he said media crawling all over him when the story mm. broke, or well, sin, course, rather, since the story. Not only broke. Is he
1: is he a well known journalist in that area, this is a huge thing that has you know, happened to him and has highlighted a massive flaw in the cloud system. Not just iCloud. We're not talking just about iCloud. This sort of failing could happen to any cloud system if you're reliant on a single point. It's, it just so happens that it is triply bad for Apple iCloud because the iCloud account and the iCloud system isn't just a storage space in the cloud it is a control space in the cloud where you can control your physical devices from the cloud so once you've got access to that all of your physical devices become uh, you know are under the power of whoever has control of that account by linking all those things together and enabling all of those things to give you peace of mind in case your phone gets stolen you have to keep in mind that if somebody social engineers their apple Tech person into believing that they that they are you, all of your stuff's going to go anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's nasty. Now, Brett, I want to talk about a guy by the name of Adam Nesbitt. Now, he wrote a computer program to check when tickets for Olympic events are available. All right? now Ticketmaster, the official ticketing agency. Yeah, and everything was humming along quite nicely, and he was sending out. Well, it was his system was automatically sending out alerts. By Twitter, so as soon as, I don't know, the men's 400 hundred metres race or something had tickets available... It alert- was
1: tweeted so people could go and, and know to get tickets.
0: That's right. Yeah. Now, everything was humming along quite nicely like that until one day, everything stopped. And yep. he did a bit of investigation and found out that Ticketmaster had changed their website such that third-party systems couldn't get to see what, you know, what tickets were available. Now, obviously this affected Adam Nesbitt's alerting system and suddenly there were no, no more alerts. But mm-hmm. the reason why Ticketmaster changed their site wasn't because of Adam Nesbitt, was it?
1: No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't um, because of him at all. It's because a lot of scalpers, basically, had been scamming through the website with programs kind of like his, but for the sole purpose of being alerted first to when tickets were available, so that they could snap them up and then resell them for a profit. So there was no malicious intent on the Ticketmaster's front towards Adam Nasbitt's program.
0: No. Having said that, though, Ticketmaster can of course do what they like on their website. Oh, precisely, they can
1: do what they like. But as you know, as we have seen from the the results of what has happened here, is that once Adam Nasbit contacted Ticketmaster and show them, you know, what his thing did, his Twitter feed access was reinstated. That's right. He could yeah. get access back again so that his particular Twitter feed and program could work with the Ticketmaster website it was because Adam's, it was providing yeah, a legitimate right. service. And Adam
0: actually that, approached Ticketmaster about that. That's how it all happened. He approached Ticketmaster and said, hey, look, what's going on? It's not working anymore. They investigated, had a look, and decided, as you said, Brett, they decided, well, that looks fairly legit, what he's doing. He's not one mm. of these scalpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's not just back. finding
1: this to alert himself so that he can buy them and sell them. He has got a public Twitter feed, which is tweeting when tickets become available.
0: So that's a good news end, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a good news It does make you think, though, why did not... Ticketmaster think of that idea for as well?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Because they've been doing
1: so many things about athletes tweeting and blogging on, and getting on social network and talking and, you know, snapping up the games. If the ticket site themselves had done tweet alerts of when tickets became on sale, well, yeah. um, that would have been a big coup for themselves and, and you wouldn't have needed a third party. If only they were just a savvy. Yeah, I, I guess it just, it just needs somebody to think about it in that way.
0: But I'm glad they didn't get on the high horse and said, "Well, no, we're going to do it now, and no one else is going to be able to do it."
1: Oh, indeed. If if they had gone, "Oh, we're going to now provide this service, uh, and so we're cutting off this third party," that would have been just bad show. Mm. They could do it, but, sure. it but they, they have a right could've. to do it. But it's just not. They it was in their eyes, but it would just have been, you know, in bad faith. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it th- would not have been in the Olympic spirit. Ex- oh, put well
0: that. put. Very well
1: put, Brett. Like it. But it does mean for the next games that they will. Consider you know. Well, let's find providing out. Providing sorts of tweet updates themselves.
0: Now, I saw an interesting article earlier this week about businesses turning away from social media. They are investing less in social media, but that's uh, as of I think December or November, December last year. Since then, there's been a steady decline in the total investment in social media. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting because isn't social media huge right now? Isn't it still
1: growing? Well. Is it? I haven't seen numbers from social media or any of the wildly proclaimed news articles saying, oh, and they've reached blah, many billion people. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's starting to actually plateau. One of the reasons that- And different uses of these different social medias are starting to settle in.
0: Yeah, well, one of the reasons it was given for the, the decline is that businesses are realizing that it's not all good news. Like, for example, in, a, in an interaction with a customer via Facebook or Twitter, often there are times where the, there are negative comments, and of course, this is all out in the open, so other people can see that. So if someone's had a bad experience with a company, and they contact them via Twitter or, or Facebook, and they enter into a, a, a discussion, that's open mm. for everyone to see, and that's kind of like bad publicity.
1: Yeah, well, it, it yeah, it really depends on how it's handled. Currently, businesses don't know how to handle it.
0: Well, no, I think there are two things. There there is that, but I think that only goes so far. What I'm trying to say here is that any company, no matter how good they are at responding to criticism and negative feedback, Mm -hmm. it will still create an image in people's heads about the product itself, a doubt about the reliability of the product or doubt about the capabilities of the product.
1: What you're missing there is the fact that that will happen regardless of whether or not the company themselves is involved in social media.
0: Well, I think it's just more Social visible. media
1: exists. Yep. I could tweet that your company was crap and provided me with absolutely shockingly bad service and, and name people at your company as to, you know, people who had been really irresponsible, regardless of whether or not your company is or is not involved in Twitter or any other social media. Yeah, but is
0: it not the case that if the company then engages in that, it j- it just becomes a bit much more visible? Only if the
1: company engages in a way that reflects poorly on themselves. That's the whole point of what I was saying. St- I still saying think it highlights it's, it makes it more if they visible. handled it correctly, if they knew how to handle it properly, then <laughs> you wouldn't get any more negative criticism from it than you would normally get from somebody tweeting some negative comment about a company.
0: Yeah, but I'm referring to the visibility and I think it's far more visible once the company starts responding. It becomes a It depends thing. on whether or
1: not the company decides once again to respond via those social medias. I think there are certain responses that a company that was thinking properly would not respond to on social media. They wouldn't rise to the bait of that social media.
0: Yeah, I guess it's a difficult one for them because they don't want to be they seen as
1: properly produce a either a, a you know a properly thought out response that had been passed through. The, different, the, the chain of their, of their communications and then released into social media rather than somebody whose job it is to check social media doing a brain splurge as a response.
0: Yeah, you might be onto something there actually, I think. So well, that's the where a lot of that stuff goes wrong the- is
1: when you've got somebody paid to do the social media who then just brain splurge responds to different criticisms or different things and does it poorly in the moment instead of – you know, taking a step back and thinking about that process, thinking about what should be responded to. You're not creating a vicious cycle there. You're instead addressing the actual concerns or comments or criticisms.
0: Yeah, I think you might be onto something there, actually. One of the other reasons, of course, was that although some businesses have a huge number of followers or likers or whatever you call them on Facebook, mm-hmm. they, they actually have, really haven't worked out what to do with them, how to t- turn that into money.
1: Well, and indeed, because just- social media is not a website. So you can't just put all your website stuff on it. How do you engage with those people? And you know, if you are a an automotive industry provider of some variety, and you've got twenty thousand people who who follow your your Twitter, what is it that you're announcing on your Twitter? Maybe you're announcing when you come up with new car colors, when you come up with new transmission types, when you come, when you're about to release a new product, and do it that way. Or are you tweeting? It, more interesting things about inside the company. Or, or if you've got a Facebook account, a uh, Facebook page for your company, what are you putting on that Facebook page? What are you engaging with your um, customers for there? You've got to sit back and, and think about the audience that you want to engage and how you want to engage it using that social media. You can't just go, Twitter is for tweeting everything that's going on in the day. So we'll, we'll tweet everything that's going on in the company during the day. You've got to sit back and think about how that social media and the audience that you capture in it actually interacts with you and what they want to interact you with.
0: Well, until they really figure out how to monetize from their audience, they're not really likely to invest anymore in, so, well, in social but media. There is
1: that, indeed. But you've also got to think about the hidden benefits of customer interaction and customer relationship. Customer building and customer interaction, you know, good customer uh, interaction can be, Heavily beneficial in that, you know, that ephemeral business statistic of goodwill. And it, it's hard to monetize goodwill. I know lots of different systems try to monetize goodwill, but it is difficult to monetize goodwill. But goodwill can provide a heck of a lot of benefits for a company in the way that their customers see them and the customers react to them. It's the difference between a company with without goodwill that does something slightly wrong and gets hammered for it in social networks or a company that's got massive goodwill that does something slightly wrong that has all of those customers who are having positive engagements giving positive reinforcement to the company for when the company corrects itself properly? You know, this kind of rings
0: true for me because just yesterday, over the weekend, I was looking for a particular product And there are a number of places locally from which I could source that. There are, I think, three in the region. For one of them, which happened to be the closest one, I Googled them to find out information about them. Interestingly enough, one of the links that came up was their Google Plus page. And there were some reviews of this place. I wasn't looking for reviews, but it was just there. I was just trying to find where are they and what are their hours. I cast my eye down. Four reviews each and every one negative. And I want to read you some of this because this is really important, right? This is word for word what the reviews are. Review number one. Poor service. Saleswoman knew I was after a product but made no attempt to ascertain my needs. Promptly declared the model she deemed I wanted was out of stock with no offering of getting one in for me or suggesting alternative products that were in stock. Not recommended. I will take my money elsewhere. Review number two. Rude. I went in there multiple times. However... I found each time the saleswoman was incredibly rude. The last time I went in, I walked out at how rude she was and I would not recommend the store to anyone. Review number three, don't go there. It's not worth the rude service. And review number four, call today to find out if they sold used products. The clerk acted like I had asked her the most ridiculous thing ever. Incredibly rude when I told her my price range. Even if I could buy a brand new product, I would not go in there to do so. And these are over a span of about two years, I think. Mm.
1: And I yeah, thought this, is,
0: this reflects really, really poorly.
1: It it does. It does reflect poorly. But you have to think, is that because the service itself is poor? Obviously, you can't tell unless you actually go in and discover whether or not there is a a atmosphere of rudeness <laughs> in that company. But it does give you an idea, especially if it's from different people and over such a long period of time. You now, if those were four reviews that were rapid fire within a week, I would be suspicious as to whether or not that might be somebody trolling.
0: Yeah, I did um, exactly,
1: but yeah. but over the course of two years, that's 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 a long time for a troll to put in. So unless, I, of course, it's I a competitor, would put more for that.
0: unless it's a competitor,
1: which is entirely possible. Once again, once again, it's entirely possible. But you know, the but point, it is the point how remains. those companies it, decide to handle their their internet presence, their social media presence. And as we know, comp- a lot of companies don't know how to handle these p- things. They go, oh, we need a website that has our stuff on it. And, oh, we should, we should be involved in that, in that book face thing because everybody's doing that book face thing. And <laughs> they dump it onto whoever is the IT or marketing person or group in their organization. And for a lot of businesses, you know, a lot of resellers, there's probably like one person <laughs> who who's in control of those things and might on occasion get money to contract out to a different company to build something for them, to put on the web. But it's really about the different companies not knowing how to properly handle these now, new speak- communication mediums.
0: Now, speaking about the decline in investment in social media. I just noticed also that Facebook shares now are below $20. Oh. that's terrible.
1: Oh, if you bought on day one, I feel so sorry for you because I do not think you are going to get your money back.
0: You won't get your $38 back, certainly not, no. No.
1: You'll
0: get 20 of it back, which is barely over half. Isn't that shocking? you'll get a little over
1: half. It would massively surprise me. I may have to eat my words, but... I have an inkling it will never go over its initial offering.
0: Well, that's a pretty bold statement. That remains to be seen. Because they just don't know what they're doing. But they might eventually find a way of...
1: Maybe. And maybe what eventually drives them over their initial IPO is just inflation.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't that be a sad thing?
1: Year adjusted dollar value.
0: (laughs) That was the only thing that brought them over.
1: So that might actually bring them over. So I will have to. I I will say adjusted for inflation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Fair enough. So when we do the calculation, we'll take off inflation and uh, and we'll see and see whether or not it
1: is it is over its initial offering.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. As you said, Brett, it's a shame for those who currently do have shares, but maybe now's a good time to buy. (laughs)
1: How do you mean to buy low? (laughs) I think you should look at the the trend, the trend analysis for the stock to see whether or not it's a good time (laughs) to buy.
0: Yeah, that's right. In fact, of course, we're not allowed to give out advice anyway on buying stock because we're not... uh, We're not licensed to do that. We're not licensed to do that. So, of course, (laughs) none, none of what we have said constitutes any financial advice whatsoever. Indeed. Or investment advice. But if
1: I were you, I would heavily invest in Edwin and Brett Industries. They're up-and-comers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, yes, yes. They, you, that's right, Brad. That's right. Now, <laughs> one last story to end the show, and that was uh, just a, a really a, a quick thing that I noticed uh, earlier this week, that Wikipedia apparently went down for a while thanks to some cables. Yeah, kind of yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It just goes to show you that the, the internet is quite resilient but not always. Exactly. <laughs> it, the internet, this ephemeral thing which goes through the tubes across the globe, is actually fed from machines in buildings on the ground, which are affected by everything else that happens in the physical world. Yeah. Such as floods, tsunamis, earthquakes. And workmen cutting cables, (laughs) (laughs) beer spilt in a server room. All of these things affect the internet. And if one part of the internet is hosted in a, a data center, which has massive redundancy within itself, but its link outside of itself gets cut several blocks down the street or a few towns over, that is the physical connection to the rest of the world gone. And those things go away. And that's exactly what happened for Wikipedia, isn't it? It it did. It made some of their services inaccessible and others incredibly sluggish, but it didn't massively, what I thought was the most interesting thing, is it didn't massively impact on the mobile wiki.
0: Yeah, that was still going, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So it was a data
0: center in Florida in this case. In fact, everyone in the data center was affected, not just Wikipedia. Wikipedia oh, course, just happens just to happen be one of the most Wikipedia, popular yeah. websites on, in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And hence, most people notice that. But anyone else hosted in that data center went down as well.
1: The UK spokesman for with the Wikimedia Foundation was talking about how that, yeah, it was somebody who... Some cables down in Tampa, near their Florida data center, and he actually mentioned where their their big centers were for the the hosting and provision of Wikipedia, and they were what was it the the two data centers in America, Florida, the one affected, and one in Virginia, and they had proxies in Amsterdam. I thought that was just kind of random. Mm, it <laughs> does seem <laughs> kind like of the random. The centers yeah. for the English Wikipedia, both hosted in different parts of America. But their proxies, or, or some of their proxies, are on the other side of the world in Amsterdam.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thought I that was kind of interesting. Well, the thing is, probably most companies are like that. It is interesting to find out where stuff is physically. Oh, yeah.
1: Especially from these, these companies and these foundations and things, which are basically internet entities. You see them as an internet entity, they are a website, a web page that is their presence, that is their face. It's hard to think about a lot of these places as actually having physical residence mm. Some
0: Amazon must go, be
1: amazing. Well, the founder and the people who work on it, they live in different places. And in fact, for Wikipedia, they live all around the world. But you've got to think that the, the Wikipedia itself is is out there on the internet. It's like everywhere, but it's not. It, it's, in a, it, it's in a couple of data centers mm. in America. It's in a few physical
0: <laughs> places, isn't it? Yeah,
1: mm. it does bring you back to this reality, which you can get—you know—you can forget about. Wikipedia actually exists in a country. That's where it comes from. It's just weird. <laughs> it blows my mind because it's global. It's everywhere. Wikipedia is right in front of me right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it just goes to show that, doesn't it? All right, Brett. Look, that is the end of episode one hundred and seventy-nine. Want to thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right, we'll do it again next week. Indeed. Good stuff. I might have to have one of the Wellington on a plate dishes.
1: You will have to have a Wellington on a plate dish, even if it's just the lunch one from the place at work because it was very, it was a very good soup. They did a very good cauliflower soup. So what was it? It was a cauliflower soup. It a and- cauliflower soup. And then it was an open sandwich with, uh, kind of like an open ploughman's sandwich with ham and salad stuff and a chutney and, and this... Odd grated potato mayonnaise thing, which was just super awesome. I'm generally not a fan of an open ham sandwich. Actually of any kind of ham sandwich. Yeah, I'm but, not either. But, but this was if you're saying that, really delicious.
0: Um, okay, all right. Well I might just have to and do that. And the soup
1: is just absolutely awesome. I love cauliflower soup. Right,
0: it well, is one of my well, favourites. Well, I tell you what, we'll do lunch during the week sometime and I'll I'll order that. How's that?
1: Excellent. And while you're eating, we'll play chess so that I can win.
0: (laughs) All right. E2 to (laughs) E4. Alright, thank you, Brent. See you next week. See you everyone.
1: Goodbye. Bye-bye.